Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Warning, this podcast contains conspiracy, paranormal, and true crime cases. The nature of these cases may be gory, unsettling, or vulgar. Please be advised. Yo, 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 can you stop, ma'am? <laughs> Literally, guys, as soon as I started saying yo, 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 oh, the biggest yawn I've ever seen Sorry. in my entire life. She fell back in the green chair. Let's try this again. <laughs> Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan. And this is episode 36, question mark. Jinx. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yummy yeah. soda. I think it has to be. I think it is 36. Guys, we apologize, okay? Here's the deal. When it is a three-day weekend or there's a holiday or something, we don't, we don't know what's going on. We need no. a second to like rejuvenate ourselves and like we're still not even there. No. But to put in perspective, I texted Taylor on Tuesday and I said, hey, do you want to record? Or I said, we're not going <laughs> to record tonight. We'll record tomorrow. Right. And she goes, yeah, either tomorrow or Wednesday is fine. I said, tomorrow is Wednesday. And she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was violently hungover in uh-huh. the middle of all of that, ma'am. Yeah. So... We needed a second, we but here we are. We had a minute of a weekend. Mm-hmm. We were both super busy. Morgan, what did you do yeah, for so Memorial Day? I went home, and I really went home because I wanted to see my girl Maddie's new house. So congratulations <laughs> to Maddie and her boyfriend, Jalen. They bought a beautiful house it in is a beautiful gorgeous. neighborhood, and I'm just so proud of her and him, but mostly her. <laughs> so I went home. I saw them. I saw some of my family. Um, Ollie had a freaking blast with coda and that's about it and we left on sunday and came back chilled on monday our memorial day was yeah chilled well you went and hung out with noodle right oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i forgot about that yeah then on memorial day we went to noodle's house we had a cookout and peyton grilled up some shit on his new grill that has wi-fi he had to get a grill that has wi-fi he is such a manly man he's gonna be the dad that's like (laughs) the the nikes (laughs) he wears an apron already (laughs) I just, I can't wait. He, he's like, like the big Look at that big guy. old boy coming around here, big He'll old be boy. like, damn, that's some nice grass you got cut over there. How'd you get your line so straight? How do I get that little angle or that shape? No, that's how Peyton is. So yeah, that was really good. So. Logan, my yard's going to look like someone took like a, a fucking zigzag through it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Logan just trying to get that shit done. Yeah, my dad yelled at me one time. I mowed my grass one time at home and he came home. He said, never again. Those lines are not straight enough. Like, he likes no. to go on Google Maps and see how straight the lines are in our backyard. 
<laughs> yeah. Anyway, what did you do? I, so, um, my brother-in-law got married this weekend. Fun. So we went down to Chattanooga and all of Logan's awesome family from Florida came up. Yay. And we had such an amazing time. And guys, okay, if you know me, you know that I've always said I will never move to Chattanooga. I literally oh, grew up shit. hating Here it. Here we are. I fell in love with it this weekend. I I don't know why. I guess it was just a lot different when I was growing up. But like, well, yeah, it always is. Like me, right. I'm like, I'll never live back home. But then I'm like, oh, right. Well, see, like that's the thing is like I just felt like Chattanooga was such a like a hassle to get to. There was mm-hmm. always some shit going down in Chattanooga. Yeah. But I guess now that I've like lived in a a bigger city, like I, I could. It's so you would love it. perfect. Like I want to do like a girls' weekend down there because the restaurants are just so like trendy and fun. Yeah, and the food was delicious. The alcohol was amazing. Even I had a lot of food. it. <laughs> literally, I literally think I probably had more alcoholic drinks than I had. Which brings us food. to us not drinking, today. and that is why <laughs> I have not drank since. And I'm taking a week off to detox my body because, mm-hmm. and I think it's actually more than a week. I'm taking off. Yeah. I th- I'm allowing myself one day to get mimosas with my girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but Saturday. Saturday. And then another, I'm going to go a whole nother week. So cool, cool. You know, speaking of drinking, even though we're not drinking anything, have you had the Kettle One botanical or whatever it's called? No, but I saw it last night I, at the bar. Or not last night. Oh my bar. God. Is it amazing in a Moscow meal? Is it really? Yes. And Maddie found these hibiscus ginger beers. Shut up. And it tasted, it tasted with the um, kettle. kettle one. It tasted like a refresher from Starbucks. So is that a drink of a week? Yes. I can't find hibiscus ginger beer anywhere though. So I, we're going to have to do a I'll check whenever. Yeah, you I'll go to the right stores for well, that. Well, I'll be in Florida too. So yeah, if I don't find any up here, I'll go check it on my little earthy store. Yay! Up here. Anyway, yeah, just a little hint. If you guys like Moscow Mules, aka Kelly, <laughs> hit it up. <laughs> At Kelly. AKA specifically Kelly. Guys, we have had so many of you guys either we see you in person or we talk back and forth to you guys on messages about our drinks and it cracks me up. I have people that are like, we ran into some of our uh, sorority sisters uh-huh. one night at a bar and they were like, we have searched all over for the 19 Crimes Rosé and we tried the 19 Crimes Red Blend and they thought it was awful, but yeah, they just like, had I to try it. I hated it, but I had to try it because you guys liked it and I love you guys. <laughs> yeah, so, and I've just been cracked up. Like, literally, we had a we had one of our um, listeners call or DM us about putting shots into your seltzers. <laughs> I mean, I'm just cracking up. Like, I'm like, don't listen to us. Yeah, we're we're raging alcoholics. <laughs> That have neither of us have any bartending experience. No, no, we literally have none. But I, I told Nikki today, I was like, you know, there's a lot of things I could be in life. I mm-hmm. could be a mixologist. I could be a... Way to really, like, pronounce that. Right. Like, you're, like, not a bartender. No. I could be a mixologist. I want to specifically be a mixologist. I will mixologist. go back to school and I will study I want the to mixing be, um, of drinks. A, uh... Oh, God, the wine specialist. That's up your alley. God, what are they You need called? to just open your own vineyard. I, bitch. Okay. Creeps, Creeps in, in wine? wine? 
okay. And then I told her, she goes, Taylor, just shut up. You always have a new a new job that you want to do every single yeah, day. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, the other day. But I what doesn't it. leave is the FBI agent. So if anyone's listening to this, hit her up. Yeah, She's FBI ready. Agent. I'm ready. She's ready. She's been ready. I've been here. I've been here. I've been <laughs> yeah. doing this shit. I need to be a PI, honest to yeah, God. Someone yeah, needs to send me some shit and let me just creep on some people. <laughs> I'll do some takeouts. I'm not worried about it. We've done that before. <laughs> We've done that one too many times, actually. <laughs> no. Right. Okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. If you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Okay, Morgan, what do you have for me? We didn't tell them, Taylor, what? about us on Google Docs. <laughs> Sorry, a little bit longer of an intro. Yes, okay, we got to continue this. This is too good. No, this is hilarious. So I never used the Creeps and Crowns. Creeps and Crowns. <laughs> the Creeps and Crowns. Royal. The Creeps and Crowns. Google Doc. I always use my own just because I just like don't want like Taylor creeping in on me or something. I don't know. So sure enough, I don't even realize I'm on there. I'm, I'm typing my first sentence. It's five o'clock yesterday. Yesterday. We were, we were supposed, supposed to, to record. record yesterday at like eight. I'm typing my first sentence. I see a cursor that pops up. It says Taylor Fetzner. I'm like, that's weird and i look up i'm like oh shit and she comment she starts typing she goes not us just starting our notes now <laughs> at the same exact time <laughs> literally i had just opened my computer and i was changing my google doc and i was like what the fuck is this untitled right here and it's like i see someone typing on it from the little preview <laughs> and i'm like what the fuck is going on here I click it open. I'm like, no way in hell. So then we start having a full conversation on the doc page. It was hilarious. It was so and then And then we Snapchat and we're like, late release. (laughs) She's like, late release. I'll post what I needed. Anyway, so back to my segment. Um, We left off last week talking about Elizabeth Clare and her freaking extraterrestrial boyfriend, Mr. Smackback. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Akon. So if you guys haven't heard about episode or about Elizabeth Clare, then about episode. jump back to episode 35 and get all caught up. Elizabeth's story, though, at the end, I know you guys were like, Morgan, where the fuck did you find this? Because it sounded completely made up. Like she had no proof of her son. She had no proof of her boyfriend. She had no proof of her motherboard ship that she was supposedly on or any proof of visiting Mr. Akon's planet. So, what Elizabeth was experiencing in South Africa, a man named George Adamski was experiencing something very similar across the globe in Southern California. Okay. So, my sources for my part two, my first part two, I might add, are wikipedia.org and history.com. Short and sweet, baby. A little background on George Adamski. He was born in April of 1891 in Bromber, German Empire. So I guess they were an empire back then. Okay. I don't know. I'm not really good with history. Um, Me either. He was one of five siblings. And when he turned two years old, his parents, Joseph and Francesca, took the kids and they immigrated to the United States, where they ended up settling down in New York City. At the age of 22 years old, George enlisted and joined the 13th U.S. Cavalry Regiment how do you say that regiment regiment yeah um regiment 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 which fought marley (laughs) which fought at the mexican border during the poncho villa expeditions 
Um, at 23 years old, he married a woman named Mary Shimbursky, and the two actually moved out west. George had numerous jobs out west. He started out doing maintenance work at Yellowstone National Park. Ooh. Pretty cool. Um, then again at Oregon Flour Mill, and then he moved to California and worked at a California concrete factory. Three years after moving out west, he became very interested in Man. theosophy. That's how you say it. <laughs> Not theosophy, it's theosophy. Oh my god, Marley just ripped her earphones out. Yeah, I know she did. Um, and jumped off a cliff. Theosophy teaches that the purpose of human life is spiritual emancipation and claims that the human soul undergoes reincarnation upon bodily death according to the process of karma. Okay. So that's what he was preaching about. Um, within 10 years, he became a minor figure within the California occult scene. Got he it. taught about universal law, and at the same time, residing in Southern California, George actually founded the Royal Order of Tibet in Laguna Beach. Ooh. The order held meetings in the Temple of Scientific Philosophy, so I don't know if this is any correlation with the Church of Scientology. That's a whole other topic for a whole other day. Um, but maybe George's next week. Yeah, maybe next week. I'm tired of talking about UFOs, so maybe next week. Um, <laughs> George's position in this order was a philosopher and a teacher at the temple. Actually, fun fact, during the Prohibition, he got his little, whatever you would call their cult, a government license to make wine for religious purposes. Ooh. And the man made a fortune. He said he sold to, he made enough wine for all of California to drink. Oh, my God. Whenever the prohibition ended, so did George's profit. So he took his wife and some close friends and they moved to a ranch near Palomar Mountain, California. I am probably pronouncing that wrong, but I'm going to say it's Palomar. Palomar. I don't know. I haven't heard of it or I'd help you. Yeah. They dedicated that time to farming, religion, and continuing their philosophy. Um, they purchased 20 acres of land at the base of the mountain where they built a new house, a campground called Palomar Gardens. And a small diner called Palomar Gardens Cafe. The campground in the small little village George Adamski made became pretty popular. Tourists swarmed the town, especially followers of his philosophy. He continued to give lectures at the campground and the diner. So one little interesting thing about Palomar Mountain was an observatory at the top of the mountain. So this isn't what George built. This was already there prior um, the observatory was built in 1928, and it was owned and ran by the California Institute of Technology, or Caltech. It was shared with research partners, which included the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, JPL, Yale University, and the National Optical Obser Observatories of China. Oh. How weird. What? Yeah. Okay. Th that's what the, those were their research partners. Why can't I talk? Anyway, it's currently still up, running, opening up on any clear night with their large-ass telescopes they have. Yeah. So then George immediately kind of became intrigued by it. So in his little campground, he built, like, this wooden observatory and put his six-foot telescope in there. Okay. So you have this man. He buys property below an extremely large observatory with international ties, and he has his followers and his students and his tourists that swarm his little town. And he is referred to as a professor, people, Professor Adamski, but he has no graduate or undergraduate degree. 
And his education actually stopped after the third grade. Shut up. He wasn't educated after third grade. So he's like nowhere near professor. Exactly. Yeah. He's a self-proclaimed doctor and professor. Yeah. So how does this man connect with Elizabeth Clare? So this part of my story, I mean, this guy's story is pretty short, but what I'm trying to do here is kind of back up Elizabeth's story because I just think it's so freaking cool, I guess. And it's so hard to believe. So on October of 1946, during a meteor shower, sounds familiar, George and his friends were at the Palomar Gardens campground when they noticed something unusual in the sky. When they looked up, they saw a large cigar-shaped mothership, which is exactly how Elizabeth described the mothership that she was brought on board by Akon. I'll never get over it. A year later, this... Cigar-shaped ship had appeared again, and George Adamski took a photograph of this cigar-shaped mothership. No way. So I'll show you it. Okay, so it's got, like, like you can see the lights in the center of it. It almost looks like it could be an orb, but... It could be anything. Yeah, it could be, like, an orb, but, like, from the side view, you know? Mm -hmm. It looks like a cigar-shaped thing. I mean, but you can... this would be on top of them. Like, they're, like, directly underneath them. Oh, this is directly underneath them. So... It's I'm like, thinking. Yeah, but like it's like got lights and like I can count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And they almost look like they're like observatory like windows, not necessarily even lights at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, this is a camera in the 1950s. Right. So yeah. And you can like see a crease like creases and indentions all over this entire thing. So I'm going to have a team creep post because we need posts. Thank God. And um, this will be on there. So you guys can check out our Instagram and follow along with my story. I have a few other pictures I'm going to be talking about. So yeah, that is the cigar-shaped mothership. But during the same year, just a couple months later, George said he saw more than 150 UFOs pass over his Palomar Gardens campground in one night. He said it wasn't like an invasion. It was kind of like a pass by. Okay. You know, and it was just a bunch of them. Other people saw it too. So between 1946 and 1947, George had became intrigued by UFOs. So he started studying them. He started teaching to groups about UFOs and extraterrestrial. And at one point during a lecture, he claimed that the government and science had established the existence of UFOs two years prior via radar tracking of the 700-foot-long spacecraft that lies on the other side of the moon. So this man is like, I don't know where he got that information. I don't know right. why he said that. But that that's basically the shit that he was like teaching. Okay. Which doesn't make any like he has no he, has he has like no education. you got a third grade education right like, right yeah exactly what so he also claimed that science now knows all the planets in Earth's solar system are inhabited and photos of Mars taken from the Mount Palomar Observatory have proven the canals on Mars are man made and built by an intelligence far greater than any man on Earth. So at this point, I'm kind of wondering, okay, did this guy, like, get into this observatory and start talking to researchers? Like, how do you know that the photos from Mars taken at this observatory? And how can you tell they're man-made? Right, like, where do you And that's get Mars. That how can you say that every planet on Earth is inhabited? Anyway, right. I think this guy's kind of a lunatic. But stay with me here. 
So this takes up this little research shindig that he's got going on about UFOs and ET, um, takes up his time for the next few years, lectures, research, etc. Um, he claimed to have taken two good photographs, photographs, oh photographs. my God, photographs of the aircraft throughout the year of 1949. I will show you them, but later on. Okay. But on November 20th, 1952, something seriously similar to last week's episode went down. Okay. George Adamski and some friends were in the Colorado desert near the town of Desert Center, California. Okay. They reported that they saw a large submarine-shaped object hovering in the sky. Um, George kind of looked at his friends and was like, yeah, they're looking for me. I knew they'd be here. So confident. So he leaves his friends, which is kind of what Elizabeth does. She leaves her family. She crawls across the hill. Right. So George leaves his friends. And I mean, he's confident that this UFO wanted him. So what does he do? Started heading on heading its direction on foot. Shortly after, a ship made of translucent metal, sound familiar, landed next to him. And then lo and behold, a spaceman is standing beneath the hovering craft. Shut up. His friends backed this part of the story up by saying that, yes, they could see the ship and the person that George was meeting standing in the middle of the desert. But they were so far away, it was hard to back up any of George's details. So they kind of were just confirming the basics. That there was a fucking something that landed out of the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and there was a man. They saw him meeting a man in the middle of the desert. Right. So this is where it gets freaky. The spaceman was a medium-height humanoid with long blonde hair and tan skin, and he was wearing reddish-brown shoes. <gasps> was it Akon? Akon. No, but sound familiar. Again, the spaceman introduced himself as a pilot of the ship and a Ven- Venetian named Orthon. Akon and Orthon. Yeah, they got to be related. They have got to be related. So, and, okay, and Mr. Orthon communicated with him through telepathy and hand signals. So, again, sound familiar. I'm going to say that like 40 times because it's all so similar. Um, I want to quote George a little bit on what he felt and thought during his encounter. Quote, the beauty of his form surpassed anything I had ever seen, and the pleasantness of his face freed me of all thought of my personal self. I felt like a little child in the presence of one with great wisdom and much love. The Venetian's flesh was as soft as a baby's. Sorry, this was after they touched palms. And his hair was sandy in color and hung in beautiful waves to his shoulders, glistening more beautifully than any woman's I have ever seen here on Earth. Very bold fucking statement, sir. Are you in love with Orthon too, man? (laughs) You guys have a relationship. I mean, it's cool. Um, so why did they come and see him? George Adamski said that they came strictly to deliver a message to him. And that message was to stop messing around with atomic bonds before you destroy your entire planet. Like he was saying it for all of humankind, but he was talking to George. He warned George of the dangers of a nuclear war and how it could potentially affect the, other's plan- the other planets in our solar system by spreading radiation into space and contaminating the other planets. I don't know. This is the message that this guy gave him. Okay. Apparently, Orthon had asked George for a blank photographic plate. And since George did come with a camera, and he actually wanted to take pictures of Orthon, but he was like, no, man, can't take any pictures of me. No fan behavior. Yeah, like, no paparazzi, please. (laughs) Um, So George handed him over this empty photographic plate, and Orthon walked back to the ship and left Mr. George. 
So once Orthon was gone, George said that there was something on the ground that was left behind. No way. And it was Orthon's shoe imprints. And in the shoe imprints were mysterious symbols, which George believes was a message from Orthon. So he photographed them. And one of his friends, George Williamson, who was with him earlier that day, took plaster casts of the imprints, which is what I would assume is like... Not a paper mache, but was like, he just like carrying that shit around, like like a I don't know, like maybe it was like the stuff. day after or okay. something. But like they're like kind of like hieroglyphic looking, right? Looking things. Anyway, Orthon then returned the photographic plate to George a couple months later on December thirteenth, nineteen fifty-two, and when he developed it, he found new strange symbols that resembled the ones in the foot imprints. Mm-hmm. So it was during this time that George Adamski's famous photo was taken of Orthon's ship. So before I show you, Taylor, I want you to think back to Elizabeth's story and how she took a photo of the ship, but she was dubbed as her throwing a hubcap from a car into the air. Remember that? Right, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hello. Can I talk too? This is his picture of what the ship looks like. Looks like a hubcap. Looks exactly like a hubcap. Oh my God. Like that looks like something pulled out of a car. Right. Oh my, it literally looks like and a And this hubcap. was Elizabeth's picture. Oh my God, it's the exact same ship. Yeah. Hers is much further away. Yeah. And like, they said she threw that shit in the air. Yeah. And okay. snapped it. Wait, I need you to scroll up. I need to look at this. What? Yeah. It's like almost too perfect. Uh-huh. His picture me. is just a little too clear. It's just like a little too perfect. Like hers is a little bit more believable, I feel like, but... Like, where's the sky? Why? Why are you so zoomed in? Yeah, like, how do you... Well, I bet it's been cropped over the years versus, like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I mean, guys, I don't know how else to describe it to you besides the fact that it looks like something off a car. Like go a look rim. at the Team Creep post yeah, right now. go check out the Team Creep post. Blah, blah, blah. I Creep still can't post. talk. Okay, anyway. we're okay. We swear to God. Yeah, we're good. So, does George Adamsey's picture of a Venetian spacecraft not resemble a hubcap and look identical to the picture it looks identical. It looks identical. So, the similarities between the two stories that we have so far are the cigar-shaped mothership, the hubcap-looking spaceship, the description of the aliens, the blonde hair, the dark skin, etc., the calming feeling that they both had during their first encounter, and the telepathy. And remember, guys, that this is something that happened within the exact same time, like within the same year... Across in two completely different locations, and they both have witnesses, whether it's family or friends, that can back up their story. And media, social media, and any media really in general was not big. And George actually came forward about his story before Elizabeth did. Oh. And they never really, like, they didn't know each other. Like, well, I yeah. mean, because something, a story from South Africa is not going to get to no. America like that, you no. know? So. That's some TikTok shit. Yeah, right. That's what, I mean, it would today, but not right. 80 years ago. So let's just go ahead and wrap this up. Um, Ten years later, George announces that he has been invited to, this is why I think the guy's kind of a crack, has been invited to an interplanetary conference held on Saturn. Don't laugh. Um, I know you want to laugh, but don't laugh. And that by the request of extraterrestrials, he had to meet with Pope John the 23rd. This meeting was because the Pope was not allowed to have direct contact with the extraterrestrials. Why? And I don't know why. I guess it's a big agreement. Not direct contact. 
Um, and that George Adamski was sent in order to request a, quote, final agreement. On what? I'm not sure. Um, the criticism and investigation was ruled that he was just your typical UFO nut job. Um, and if I hadn't heard Elizabeth's story, I'd believe he was a crackpot. I mean, I still do. But there was just a lot of, like, similarities yeah. that are going on across the world. And isn't that always the case, though? Like, those with experiences like this are just automatically deemed insane, right. nut jobs, cracks, whatever you want to call them. And maybe they both are losing it or have very active imaginations. You know, I'm not so sure. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I love Elizabeth's story so much that I want to believe it. So it just, which, in order for me to believe it, I'd have to believe this guy. Right. I don't really believe this guy, you know? Yeah, his is a little... It's it's because of his lack of education and right his and the fact that we we're not believing this guy but we're believing I'm believing this woman that had a baby and went to a different Akon. planet and met a guy named Akon like that's where maybe I'm losing it maybe they're okay but maybe I'm losing it right um, George Adamski gave his last lecture of UFOs in Washington D.C. before he died of a heart attack at a friend's home in Silver Spring Maryland on April 23rd of 1965 he was 74 years old. And he is buried at the Arlington Cemetery. What? How weird is that? What? Yeah. Why? I don't know. He also, like, there were so many claims that, like, he got this letter from, you know, people high up in the government, how they will corroborate his story and, like, they want him, they want to talk to him. And then everyone was like, no, that was just a hoax. He wrote the letter himself. But the man's buried at Arlington Cemetery. Oh, he was a, he was enlisted. 50 but, years prior. Okay. But I feel like you have to like, there's like certain criteria that you have to meet to be buried at Arlington, right? I thought, I don't know. Did I say the name? Yeah, yeah Arlington. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that is my part two of the Venusians. I loved it. But the whole time I was thinking about this TikTok that I saw. Mm, tell me about and it. And I, I meant to send it to you. I don't know. I might have sent it to you. It was about the RH blood type. Is it about uh, how white people are aliens? Wh well, no. <laughs> oh, I saw one that says all white people are aliens. No, but I mean, possibly. <laughs> oh, and because and because COVID, you can't get COVID. Well, because like people with the RH blood type like are like basically immune. Okay, look, everything I'm saying is taken with a very light grain of salt. Like, yeah, yeah. The right. tiniest grain of salt that you could possibly humanly find, because. I just, it was just something I saw on TikTok and it was so, but it was so weird. I didn't, you know, Google this woman to see if she was mm -hmm. anything, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but basically it was like, people are saying that if you have the RH blood type, it's so rare. And the reason why it's so rare is because it doesn't have the gene uh, or it doesn't have the DNA. It's a mix. That is evolved from the original, like the type of, um. Uh, monkey that we we did, once were yeah that we, we evolved were, that we've evolved from, yeah. from but every other blood type does have that dna in it now the reason but but what rh has is um it's mixed with something else and no one can like apparently figure out like what this thing is that it's mixed with but that blood type specifically is like basically immune to covid and um they're saying that we're all getting the vaccine, which if you guys know me, you know, I'm like laughing at this. Mm -hmm. um, we're all getting the vaccine. Um, and it's because of an, and that's why like aliens are being talked about more is because like aliens are about to They're come to us. us. And yeah. it's just like the reason why we're getting the vaccine is to prevent us from any more extraterrestrial um, 
viruses that we could possibly get because um just like whenever you know settlers came to america like the natives they all died of like smallpox and shit because they were not immune to it Mm -hmm. so it's basically doing it in prevention of us like dying from any future like intergalactic viruses so the rh is someone that mated with and E.T. Like, at one up far along. Right, far, far behind. Yeah. And the reason why they don't get it is because their DNA is already pre-exposed like, yeah, to it. Yeah, I did see that video. That's insane. So weird. That one but was it is, I love thinking about that show. Me I mean, too. is it likely? <gasps> probably, Guys! You just scared the shit out of me. It's June! Oh, and yeah. we didn't talk about it being June and my birthday month. And it's ah! it's Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, happy everybody. Pride month. Happy Pride Month and Happy Taylor Month. <laughs> happy Happy Pride Month. Happy Taylor Month. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I love that my birthday month is Pride Month. I would love I would love sharing that I any day of the week. I'm going to do a birthday shout out for my mom. Oh, hi, Beth Ann. Hi, Mommy. <laughs> happy birthday. We were happy so. Happy 25th. <laughs> we <laughs> love you. 25th squared. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> oh my goodness! Happy birthday, Bethany! Guys, we really sucked at trying. We were like, we're gonna do like a quick intro, quick episode for these people. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. Since we're late, we're gonna get it out early. Here we are. Yep. Uh, we ended up screwing up and forgetting really every important, the thing. best things ever. So. Yeah. Anyways, happy birthday, Beth Ann. Happy birthday. We love you. Happy Pride Month. Happy Taylor Month. Happy Pride Month, everybody. And happy Tay-Tay Month. Yay, yay, yay. At time. At time. The thing that I hate every morning is doing my mascara. I can live without foundation and lipstick. Thank you, Mouse, for that. But when I don't have anything on my lashes, I look dead. The thing that makes my morning smoother and my routine faster is having my lash extensions done. Getting them done is no burden, as it is the true beauty sleep that when you wake up from your nap, you feel like a million bucks and hotter than Kim K herself. That's my girl. Lash extensions are new to Knoxville, but not new to the beauty world. Asia K Salon has been in business over eight plus years with nine plus advanced lash courses, allowing them to give you the ultimate best lash experience possible. And let me tell you, their lash beds are comfortable. If you mention our names and that you heard us talk about them on our most recent podcast when you make your next appointment, you will receive 44% off. You can check them out on Facebook or on Instagram at Asia K Salon. Or you can check them out on their website, asiacasalon.com. Happy lashing. All right, Taylor. All right, Taylor. All right, Taylor. What do you got for us today? Guys, um, we had to take a minor to major intermission because um, my husband, this Mm -hmm. is the second time this has happened. In two days. In the last two days. um, Forgets that he lets our cats go play outside. (laughs) <laughs> so then I come out of the shower or, you know, stop doing something like maybe you're recording a whole damn podcast. Right. Um, And I'm like, uh, hey, uh, where are my cats? He's oh, like, um, they're outside. I'm, wh- for Excuse how me? long? Excuse it's me, sir. Literally 1030. He was like, well, I let them out when it was still light outside. <laughs> okay so literally walking all around looking for my cats finally found them everything's okay but we're back now so today uh major trigger warning before we get in to all of this there is a lot i'm going to be discussing a lot of um abuse so just trigger warning for that 
Obviously, I'm talking about horrible shit, so just always prepare yourself anyways. Um, but today I'm going to be covering the case of Michelle Notek. Um, my sources are Wikipedia, and that's why we drink podcasts, allthatsinteresting.com, murderpedia.com, The Sun, New York Post, and Murder Coffee Co. Um, and there's actually two different Murderpedia case, uh, pages on this, so both of them. And I'm just going to hop right into it. Well, actually, I want to tell you this. The first time I actually watched this was on a true crime documentary. I don't know if it was 2020, 48 hours, right. ID, whatever. Um, but I watched it on there. And then I literally at the, I don't know if it was at the beginning of 2020 or if it was in the middle of 2020, but it was somewhere in 2020. God knows where it was because that was like a time warp. Literally. Um, <laughs> the year even happened. It literally was just like all mushed together. But, um, and that's why we drink covered it on episode 174. Christine covers it. And I remember listening to it and just being like, holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit, the whole time because it's just that crazy. Okay, I'm excited. So I'm just gonna hop into abuse, but well, I feel like I haven't done any like normal cases in a minute. I've been really giving you guys like Mm -hmm. not off the wall, but like unsolved or missing persons or something like that. So I'm kind of bringing it back to really like Lacey Peterson or something. Yes, yes. Uh, Last one that was kind of like this. I don't know. I don't even know what I covered last week. What did I cover last week? I don't know. Me either. I don't know. It was crazy. Oh, it was the DA. Oh, the Penn State. That one was was fucking crazy. I love that one. Okay, so um, this one's not as conspiracy-esque as that one, but anyways. It's right. Give us the cold, hard facts. It's a true crimer faux show. Mm So um, this case is the case of Michelle Notek, like I said before. So Michelle Shelley Notek was born in Raymond, Washington, um, so Washington State, on April 15th, 1954. Growing up, Shelley was the oldest of three siblings, and her mother was an alcoholic. At the age of six, her mother just did not come to pick her up and her, her and her siblings up from their father's house. And it wasn't until the age of 13 that she learned that her mother did not abandon her and her siblings, but their mother was beaten to death by her current boyfriend. Oh, shit. After learning this, Shelly began acting out, tormenting her brothers, uh, resenting her father, blaming him for her mother's death. She believed if they would have never split up that her mother would not be in that relationship and she yeah. would still be alive. So, obvious. I mean, she's 13, you yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and she began actually showing signs of pyromania um, a lot of self-harming was going on. Like, in fact, one of the things was she was filling her shoes up with broken glass and then oh like, my. yeah, and like walking around all day. And then um, another thing, which is just like unthinkable to me, is that she falsely accused her father of raping her at the age of 15. So after this accusation was made, which it was proven to be, a false accusation. Yeah. Uh, She was sent to live with her grandmother and two years after moving in with her grandmother in 1975 at the age of 17, Shelly married her high school sweetheart and she, a few years later, they had their first daughter and her name was Nikki. Um, A few years after Nikki was born, Shelly and her high school sweetheart divorced and she actually got remarried and her and her second husband invited 
another little girl into the world named Sammy. And a few years after that, they also got a divorce. And in 1987, at the age of 33, Shelly married her third and final husband, David Notek, when Nikki was 12 and Sammy was nine. David was a really kind man. He was actually a Navy veteran who served in um, the Vietnam War. And he currently worked as a construction worker. And he had recently just gotten out of like a really long relationship and it was like a nasty divorce with his wife um but he also had two daughters of his own so the two bought a rural farm house on a large plot of land for the kids to grow up on and it was the perfect house for a like fixer upper for the family so they planned this like giant thing Chip and Joanna Gaines style like we're gonna redo this house together as a family and make it our own So David was basically their only form of income. Shelly would sometimes get like part-time jobs if they were going through like a slow time, but mainly it was all David. Despite this, she controlled all of David's paychecks, only giving him a small allowance each month. And a few months after being married, Shelly insisted that it was time that David assisted her in disciplining their two children. So... Red flag, red flag, red flag. They get married and she's wanting to control his paychecks. Like, that is a form of abuse. Absolutely. And um, it kind of is the gateway into what this entire story is. So, um, by disciplining, she means beating them, denying them food, scheduled va- bathroom visits, oh beating if going if peeing on themselves or shitting on themselves, basically, because they were only allowed to go to the restroom when they were escorted to the restroom, uh, throwing away their homework and then beating them for not doing their homework. Even waking them up before the sunrise on cold mornings and forcing them to roll on the ground naked while she sprayed them with water hose. And even David's two daughters were subjected to this abuse and would even order and Shelly would even order them to give her handfuls of their pubic hair each week. Fuck. And then she would put them in a dog kennel. The kids. The kids. Like, these kids aren't even her own fucking kids. Like, these are David's kids. What the fuck? Yeah. In addition to her two children. So, after all these crazy, like, abusive acts, she would then shower them in love and affection and gifts, just, like, winning them back, and they would trust her because she was a master manipulator. Mm -hmm. Everybody thought she was, like, the nicest person ever. Like... No way. She would help anybody. She's like the nicest mom ever. She's so cool. She loves her kids. Like that type of person. No, ma'am. She does not. Well, a few years later in the late 80s, early 90s, Shane Watson, which is Shelly's brother's son, moved in with the with the no text after his father and mother were both sent to jail um, or prison actually, because his dad was in a motorcycle gang and um, his mom was... I think she was like a drug addict, nice. um, yeah. but she was put away. So 
Shane was a very, very kind young man, especially for the circumstances that he was raised in. Like everybody said that he was just like the biggest family guy. He loved helping. He would help anybody. He was smart and he was easygoing. And this was the perfect situation for him, you know, like for the first few weeks, everything was perfect. He felt like he was finally in a stable home that would like help him, you yeah. know, cause he's been in such a crazy home and the daughters loved him being there because it was like a vacation from their abusive life. So in this time, in these first few weeks, they're all getting showered in gifts and love and, you know, having friends over, like everything like yeah. that. But it just it wasn't how it normally was. But as my stories always do, it just gets worse and worse. Shelly began abusing Shane, even forcing Nikki, who was 13 at the time, to dance naked with him and on top of him in front of them in the living room what while she fuck? laughed. Yeah. How old was he again? He 15? was 15, I believe, when he moved in with her. Yeah, I think that's what he said. Yeah. Holy fuck, that's sick. Shan, Shan, Shan. Shane began hating Shelly, obviously, but around this time, Shelly met a woman named Kathy... Lenzo, I'm not really, or Lorino, Lorino, something like that. I'm sorry, but um, you'll see it in our show notes. Um, sorry, I messed up your name. Uh, Kathy was a 36 year old hairdresser working out of South Bend, Washington, when she met and became close friends with Shelly. In 1991, Kathy and her family had gotten in a gigantic fight over rent and um, Kathy, Kathy's boyfriend, so she moved out and was invited to move in with Shelly and David to be a nanny for their newborn daughter, Tori. So she has another daughter now. So what's that household put them at? So now we Five, have six? one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then when Kathy moves in, eight. Oh, nine, actually, with Shane. Oh my God. David's two girls, Shelly's two girls, new Shane, baby. new baby, the Kathy. parents, and now Kathy. So um, Kathy was treated like family. They loved her. They treated her so well. And again, everybody is finally getting vacation. the luxurious vacation of a break from this crazy ass life, that this hidden life that they're in. But after only one week, Shelly and David began violently together abusing Kathy, punching her in the face, forcing her to perform all of her like chores and duties naked, starving her, locking her outside naked, trapped her in a well and waterboarded her while she was in the bottom of the well. What? Starved her for days. And then they would give her rotten foods with bugs and like nasty shit in it and force her to eat it all while they watched. And they would even force the children to beat Kathy, stabbing her with kitchen utensils and kicking her with steel-toed boots. A few times, Kathy actually tried to escape, but because of the size of their land and where they lived, they could easily track her down and they would tranquilize her with medications and then bring her back to the house. That's sadistic. Yes. In 1994, Kathy passed away. After being locked in the Notex laundry room, she succumbed to her injuries of um, multiple head traumas and malnutrition. Kathy had been starved and beaten so badly that she lost over 100 pounds 
and she could no longer balance herself, making it very difficult for her to walk and get around. Oh my God. Fucking awful. I don't even know what else to say besides what the fuck. Right. After she passed away, David found her and began performing CPR. However, it was too late. In an attempt to get evidence to help um, Shane and the girls escape from Shelly and David's home, Shane went and grabbed his Polaroid camera and took photos of Kathy's dead body. Shelly then took the girls and Shane away from the house for several days while David cleaned up and got rid of Kathy's body by burning it and little by little and dumping the ashes in sep- uh, on separate beaches. So obviously the kids know what's going on because they literally saw Kathy's dead body. Um, but Shelly and David tell the kids that if they ever tell anybody, they will kill all of them before shooting themselves. And... They basically said, and if we don't have time to do that, you're the people who stabbed her and abused her. So, like, literally, literally making it to where these kids feel like they killed Kathy. Yeah. And they were all in it together. So that's fucking fucking awful. Right. So the family then came up with this story that Kathy fell in love with a trucker and went to go live in Hawaii, literally had it so planned out to the point that Shelly earlier on in her like relationship with Kathy, like maybe even before she moved in with them, uh, Shelly and Kathy went to like a rest stop and Kathy was like, or Shelly was like, Kathy, go take a picture with this random trucker in front of his truck. And so, it was this like gigantic plan, so that way, if anybody ever questioned it, she'd be like, "No, he, there, here's the guy she fell in love with," so she could show this photo to police. Oh my God, craziness! So, in 1994, Kathy's family actually reported her missing after not hearing from her, and police show up at Shelley and David's to like ask questions. To which Shelley followed through with her plan, but added that they spoke reg- regularly. You know I can't say that word. I know. Regularly. Regularly. And now I can't (laughs) say it. Regularly. Fuck. Okay, whatever. And. They spoke on the regular. Right. They spoke on the reg. And. (laughs) And she just like didn't want to be around her mom after the whole situation where she got kicked out. So she was like, so she just wanted to go and live with her new boyfriend in Hawaii. And investigators are like okay and she's like see see, look here's even a photo that she sent me of her and her boyfriend and gives them the photo of her at the truck stop so sick craziness well that wasn't good enough for kathy's family so they hired a private investigator who who literally came to the conclusion like that year that they believed that uh kathy had been murdered by the no and because of her age and she was like literally almost 40 and had yeah. ran away. They're like, we, we can't investigate this. She, we literally have a photo that she's with his boyfriend. Like, right. you know, police don't know. It's not like we have right, social yeah. media. You have to hire a PI for right. that. Um, so now the break was over for the kids and all that horrible abuse that was happening to Kathy is thrown right back onto the kids, mainly Nikki, Sammy, and Shane. Well, only after a week of Kathy, like after a, I totally typed that out wrong. Sorry. Um, Well, only weeks after Kathy's death, the girls are taken back to a hotel after Nikki was beaten and forced to tell her mother why Shane was acting differently. 
So Nikki broke down and told Shelly that Shane had been gathering evidence with a Polaroid camera so that way they could all run away. And all of a sudden, Nikki and Sammy are at a hotel with Shelly. They go back home to find out that Shane left and moved to Alaska. Oh, did he? Got people everywhere. Hawaii, Alaska, what's next? Well, obviously, that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, David had shot Shane Watson at 19 years old in the family's woodshed after, and then uh, he burned his body just like Kathy's, spread his ashes on various beaches, and they claimed that he went to Alaska to be a fisherman. Shelly reported to the school that he had ran away to go to Alaska, and the school passed it on to, um, to the police to report him as a runaway. However, this was no big deal because it was pretty typical of young men in the Washington state to drop out of school early to go do this. Okay, but that's two from one house. She even gave the police updates and the school updates about how Shane was doing in Alaska and even provided them with um I need to look this bitch up. cards. What's her last name again? <laughs> Go- Just refresh me. No tech. I might have said Kotech earlier. It's definitely no tech. No, you said no tech. Okay, it's no tech. It's just K-N-O-T-E-K. So it's throwing me off. Um, obviously, there's guys, a movie. I need someone. Yeah, there's a movie. Obviously, y'all know I need some wine. Um, she, in 1996, Nikki, the daughter, finally escapes and goes into hiding, giving her little sisters her, informa- her information, but not too much, just in case Shelly ever gets to them like she did to Nikki. And about two or so months after, Sammy also ran away to be with Nikki. So now it's just Tori, Shelly, and David in this house. Well, in the midst of all of this, Shelly convinces all of her friends and family that she has fucking cancer. Okay. So her and David are in on this plan. It's fake. They shave off all of her hair, her eyebrows, everything to make her look like a cancer patient. And, like, I don't know if they were just trying to do this to get word to Nikki and Sammy and to try to get them, like, come back thinking that their mom was dying, but <laughs> they didn't fucking come back. Good. They were like, no They thanks. said, fuck that bitch. I'm Literally. out. Literally. So, in 1999, David was having to travel during the week for his job, so he was only home on the weekends. And, honestly, I don't know what happened to David's two daughters, like, from the previous marriage, because they literally or just like stop being talked about at this point. Like only thing you hear from here on out is about Nikki, Sammy and barely anything about Tori. Um, but after that, like first original article that I had read on all things interesting, like you never hear anything again about his two biological daughters. So I'm just assuming that they went back to live with their biological mother. Mm hmm. But just like I don't know much about them, like I said, same goes for Tori. She's just like not smoke it spoken out since. And, um, Sammy and Nikki talk a lot to the press about this in the end. So I'm fully convinced that the majority of the, of the abuse at this point is being focused on Tori though. So I'm like, obviously really worried for her, but now we have gone from having Shelly, David, Nikki, Tori, Shane, Kathy, all in one house and in and out. We had the two, uh, step girls, um, to now only having Tori and Shelly for the most part, David only on the weekend. So this is true until 2001 when Shelly did not like the idea of being home alone during the week. So she decided to open up her house to a boarder. 
And this is a 57-year-old man named Ronald Woodworth from California. He was a Vietnam veteran as well, and he had been dealing with a lot of drug issues. He recently lost his job, and his uh, relationship with his long-term boyfriend had just ended. So he was in a really dark spot and really needed some help. So Shelly's like, come over here. We're a great family. We'll take care of you. Come on in. So he agrees to live on the property and work um, on the property doing chores in exchange for room and board and food. So to me, this seems like the perfect recipe for another victim of Shelley's. Absolutely. Yep. So this, the reason why I say that is because he literally had no friends he did not have a good reputation with law enforcement, and he was a socially distant person because he was a veteran, so he mm-hmm. just was, like, to himself and not dealing with everything, you know, he needed help. And um, just like that, just like with Kathy, um, not soon after moving in, the abuse completely starts, and it is rough, rough. Like, it's bad. He was forced to do all of his outdoor duties in underwear and sometimes a robe. Um, after his duties, if he messed up something or sometimes if he just was doing them, like doing his fucking job as punishment, she would force him to jump off of a higher place. So like sometimes it was a pile of wood or a rock or whatever onto gravel and glass. What? And after no. he would jump and cut his feet up, she would take boiling water and put bleach in it and then pour the boiling bleach water onto his feet with all of his injuries so they would blister up and the skin would be just like raw and then he was not allowed to wear shoes like y'all this isn't like someone that has like can't stop beating people because they're an alcoholic or like you know like she's literally planning shit to hurt these people psycho like insane like a serial killer literally yes so finally, after six years of hiding, Nikki decides that it's time to come forward to try and help her younger sister, Tori, escape. So she reports the family's abuse to the police. Though Nikki is now in her 20s, she is still terrified of her mother. So she reports it as anonymously. I mean, as anonymously. Anonymous. <laughs> and she won't go back on the record to, like, reporting it. So she won't, like, actually put her name on it because... um she didn't want her to like fi- figure out about it somehow. Right. And the police couldn't really form a case off of it though, because only thing that they knew is the details of, you know, it's basically hearsay. She's, they tell her, I mean, she tells them everything about Shelly beating Shane, killing Shane, killing Kathy, like all of it. And they're like, okay, um, we got to go get some evidence. So police, are like searching for Shelly. They can't find her anywhere. They can't get a hold of her. They finally get a hold of her and they're like, we just need to question you more on Kathy and Shane. She's like, no, everything's fine. Kathy, see, like, check this out. She sends me postcards all the time. Here's postcards from Hawaii. Shane sent me some from Alaska and he's a fisherman up there. He doesn't talk to much anymore because we had a big disagreement about him dropping out of school, blah, blah, blah. But he sends us some to like, let us know he's okay. Here you go. So police go back to Nikki and they're like, hey, like we can't get anything to build a case against Shelly unless you go on the record. So if something does come forward, we can use it as evidence in the future. And Nikki never returned to the police station. 
she ran away out of fear that Shelly would be able to track her down if she put her name on any of that. And this is when shit just gets worse. So Shelly, I don't know who the fuck's idea this was, becomes a healthcare worker. Oh, nice. Wonderful. Right. I love that. And only a few months after working with her first patient, the elderly man dies of blunt force trauma to the head. Imagine that. However, it was something that was easily written off and something that Shelly could cover up completely, like, no problem, because the year prior to her becoming his, like, healthcare taker or whatever, caretaker, he had called 911 79 times in one year because he fell off his scooter that many times. Hmm. Okay. So they're so, like, it's kind of like my grandma. Yeah. How my grandma used to be. Like, they're, so they're, they like made him get a healthcare worker, care provider, or whatever. Right. Yeah. And he just dies because he hit his head too hard when he fell off. Well, That's before he passed, he willed his home to his dog, Sissy, and willed $8,800 to Shelly. Wait, I'm sorry. He gave the, his house to the dog? Yes. Here's why. But he also willed that upon Sissy's death, the estate would go to Shelly. And wouldn't you know it, Sissy dies. Five months after this man's death, Shelly reports Sissy's death. Okay? She gets the house. She sells it for $140,000. And surprise, surprise, Shelly calls David home. For him to find that Ronald, the man that's been staying with them, having to jump on glass and shit, with had committed suicide. Okay. Yeah. So David gets home and he's like, okay, where did he commit suicide at? Like, did, what happened? And she's like, oh, well, he's in the freezer. Okay. So, he, yeah. So he, he obviously did not commit he suicide. Have, yeah, well, he must have just been deep cleaning the freezer, got right. latched and got yes. stuck in yeah. whatever. Normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, because of a burn ordinance that was a no burn ordinance that was set for the county that they were living in, um, David couldn't get rid of Ron's body, so they had to just leave it in the freezer. Well, right after this, Tori calls Sammy and Nikki, and she's like, hey, I think they killed Ron. And she's like, okay, you, the girls, Sammy and Nikki, are like, you need to find evidence and let us know. So Tori's like set on this quest, like find evidence. She finds all of his belongings in an outhouse and they find he she finds all these like bloody bandages with his blood all over it. And like base, I think they actually she actually found his body as well. Um, I couldn't I couldn't remember where that source was, guys. My computer just crashed and we lost all my notes. So um, all <laughs> the rest of this is yeah, all the rest of this is from memory. And this is when Nikki and Sammy come together and they're like, we're going to go save our sister. So they go to the police. They tell them every single thing that happened. And they're like, this time we have evidence and we're going on the record. We need to save our sister. The girls tell police that Tori can confirm that the body of Ron is actually still on the property in the refrigerator. So they go to the house. The police do. And they take Tori away from the house on the accusations of the abuse. However, at the time, they could not search the house because they did not have enough evidence to get a search warrant. So they take um, custody of Tori and they bring her back to Sammy and Nikki. And Shelly is like, no, David, you need to go up to the police station and you need to go get our daughter. 
So David's like, okay. Because he's just like her little puppet at this point. Yeah. And he goes up to the police station and he's like, hey, we want to like get our daughter back. Like, we need to know what these accusations are, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, police are like, hey, why are we have you here? Come sit down and you just answer some questions. He was there for five hours, broke down and told them everything about Shane, about Kathy, about Ron. And then literally five took hours. literally took them to the body, to Ron's body. And so they finally tracked down Shelly. She had gone away to like another property that she was supposed to be on. And she was um, taken into custody. She was later charged with all of these. But actually, it's really weird. I need to pull this up because um, she pleaded guilty. But basically, it wasn't she wasn't pleading guilty to her charges. She was it's a. It's a very it's a uh, a court term, but basic basically it's where you are like yes I accept these charges because you don't want to go through a trial where a jury where you think that you won't get a fair trial because of how the jury will see you. Yeah. So basically she was like I'm not going to get a fair trial even though I know I didn't do this even though we all know she did do this. Right. So what that did though it fucks. Everybody, because guess when she's um, good to go on parole? Soon. In 2022. Mm -hmm. So literally next year, and she's going to be like 66 years old. So she's still going to be able to abuse people at 66 years old. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, but um, now I think Tori lives with Sammy. And um, Sammy and Nikki and Tori are all a big family and they all went on to be successful women and have families. And they actually still have a good relationship with David because when he was like taken, cause he was also being abused. Like look, think back to the very beginning yeah. and uh, he was being abused and just like how the children were forced to beat um, everybody else. All like Kathy and yeah. everybody it, he was in that same situation. So they're actually really good friends. And he comes around his grandkids now. Oh, he's out. Yeah. Yeah, he was out. He went to jail, I think, for only... Um, Probably like 10 or so 10 years. years. Yeah. yeah, 10 years. And I think she did 22 years. That's insane. That's insane. But that, that is the is, case of Michelle. That is the most Nota. sick, twisted... Satanic. Sorry that my fucking notes disappeared, everybody. <laughs> this was Taylor at the end of the story. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, no, sure. no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what it, this is what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I did. I really enjoyed that story. Not really enjoyed it, but like that. That right. is sick. It's sick. Like that's a that's good a true movie. crime. Yeah. yeah. It, did, it is in a movie. What's the name of the movie? It was in the bottom of my notes, people. Um, I don't know. I not was here. just looking at it. We're going to Google it. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. But that is my story. Sorry that the last of it was like ridiculously choppy. Wicked Attraction. Oh, wicked wait. attraction i think that's the name of it yeah wicked attraction wicked attraction um i didn't get to watch the movie yet but i I'm did watch a trailer tonight. for it oh my god you're gonna be up all night i know either way because your dog ate your leftovers yeah. either way my dog just ate um japanese hibachi so and it's over <laughs> <laughs> and you're up all night and i'm screwed all right, guys so that's it that's all i've got i'm again sorry for my notes disappearing Thanks for tuning in. And we will see you guys next week. With a much better episode. Much better episode. And we won't be eating pretzels the the entire time. Yeah, sorry. I've been munching. (laughs) 
<laughs> and maybe I'll about. have a glass of wine the next time so I won't be so stressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll drink. We'll, we'll drink, guys. All right. Fine. You know, you gotta force us. Twist my fucking arm. All right, <laughs> bye. All right, bye. <laughs>